Amen. Just going to operate whatever pastor asked me to do. Amen. I find that to actually be a pretty good spot. Pastor says it's probably a good idea. Now, if the Lord says it, you got to do it. <laughs> pastor says it's a good idea. Um, God's been dealing with me in some different areas. <clears throat> and uh, I started reading in Samuel, 1 Samuel, uh, just early this week, at the end of last week and this week. And I want to kind of cover the life of Saul a bit. I want to talk about wisdom and humility tonight. And, uh, you know, one thing that frustrates me is when I see myself in the bad characters in the scripture. Have you ever done that? Yeah. You read the Bible and you go, boy, I identify with that guy. I don't want to identify with that guy. I always want to see myself in the you know, great men of God. You know, you see yourself in Peter, but it's when he's making mistakes. I'm just like Peter, putting my foot in my mouth. And you're going, what? But, you know, there's some things in Saul that, that I see the church today operating in. Uh-huh. And I want to kind of cover that. I want to look at the Lord, too. So go to, um, to set some foundation. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 9. We're going to read some really familiar places. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover. So I'm not going to read a ton of scripture. We're going to kind of paraphrase some of it. But I want to flip here. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Mm. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning or foundation of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This word for fear, we've talked about this before, and it's not necessarily terror. It's reverence and awe. It's fear. But it's fear in the sense of reverence and awe. It's a position of humility. And there is wisdom in humility. Go to first, uh, sorry, go to James chapter 4, verse 6 and 10. And I want you to verse 6 and then verse 10. Just hold that position. We're going to finish the message tonight there. But I want to read this to you. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in verse 10, he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. First Samuel chapter 15. We're going to hang out with Samuel for a bit after this. First Samuel 15, go to verse 16. And Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And Saul replied, speak on. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. And Jesus, we come tonight to open it, to, to look at some patterns here. And God, I know that there's some things that you're doing in my life and my heart God, I want to share that with the church tonight, but more importantly, God, that a word from you is spoken. And the Lord, it's not just an idea or an opinion of mine, but God, that there's something in these pages, in this particular setting, that you want to bring out for the body tonight. I ask you, Lord, that you'd speak half your way. And God, if there's something different you want to say or do, God, I'm just a vessel. I want to speak your word tonight. <coughs> we love you, Jesus. We're here to receive your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have a culture of undisciplined, selfish people. American culture is probably the leader in self-gratification, selfishness, pridefulness. We operate in a position of pride, and pride is, 
It comes in a lot of different forms. It's not always just haughtiness. Pride does not always come in a way where I have to push you down to operate in pride. Pride comes in a lot of different forms. It, 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 and I've had pride hit me in ways, I told Pastor Rodney this a few weeks ago, I didn't even see it. I literally saw myself as humble. And yet God showed me actually this was pride. And the very thing I thought for, for a time I was operating in righteousness, God said that's not righteousness. Sometimes we can misidentify. And that's why I want to look at Saul in his entirety. Because there's a slow fade here. This is a man you're going to see who operated in humility in the word of God actually in honor, a just, righteous man following the commands of God, and you see the faith. You see him turn. You'll see him fall. Now, whenever we refer to Saul, we always just refer to him as, as being evil. He's the one who's trying to kill David. He, he was never good. But as you're going to see, actually, he started off right. And, and a lot of times I've seen men, especially on TV ministries, and we've commented on this, they started off preaching something right. A lot of these guys started in places. There's a lot of singers, a lot of worship, people who, who have started in a good place and end up off track. How does that happen? Why does it happen so often? Why does it happen in such bulk? It's pride. It's selfishness. It is getting outside of God. Anytime we operate outside of Jesus, we will operate in pride. It's about self. Pride is not just me lording over you. It's saying, I know better than the Lord. It's saying, my way is more successful than his way. It's not conferring with him. It's taking my desires, what I want to be, what I want to do, and operating outside of his will. Mm -hmm. That is pride. Right. And that will actually lead you to destruction. So this culture that we live in operates outside of God. America is not a Christian nation. Not anymore. If it once were, it is not now. Are there a lot of Christians here? Yes. Is liberty a good thing? Oh yeah. Freedom is awesome because it allows true faith to grow. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Yeah. I love our nation in that sense, but the nation itself is not operating under the hand of God. It is operating in pridefulness, selfishness, and the destruction thereof is evident. Amen. It is becoming now so evident, you can't miss it. Right. The LGBTQ thing, they're now shooting people. They're, transgender is willing to take up arms now. But they're the tolerant, loving ones. Because the mandate is getting ripped off this thing. Yeah. And when you operate in pride, outside of God, there is no end result except destruction, chaos, murder. That's right. The thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, destroy. And he is working our culture over. Followers of the Lord. Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23. If you desire him, do what? Deny, right? Die daily. The followers of the Lord, he says, if you want to follow me, you'll deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. What is this all about? It's killing your pride. There is something about denying ourselves. Puts us in a position to receive from the Lord. And I'm not talking about just stuff. That's kind of easy. So, well, look at that. Lord, I don't want anything but you. But we don't deny ourselves, our opinions, our thoughts, our desires. We reserve those for me. I won't take certain jobs. I won't do certain things. I won't go certain places. But God, I am humble and I am listening. That's not humility. Total humility is a total denial of ourselves. 
Am I operating in this perfectly? No, I wish I was. But I'm growing in it. I'm seeing it. God's showing different places now. This is a process. If you think you've got it and you're done, you're operating in pride right now. Because we don't. This flesh, pastor said it so well some years ago. You've got to die daily because a dead man, it's a lot easier to control the dead man on the cross than it is to not deny every day, to not put your flesh on the cross. You keep that thing alive and fed, and this old flesh is going to take over. I have lived that too many times. So there is a consistency in staying humble, and it's not about just my mentality. It's about getting before the Lord. It's about staying under Him. And if I can deny myself and take up my cross and follow Him, I will kill pride. And that process isn't easy, but that's what the Lord said. That's how you follow Him. Dying daily is pride killer. It puts our wants down, it puts our fears down, our worldly comforts down. So go to Samuel chapter 8. Now we're not going to read specific. There's so much we could read, we're not going to. But I want to start with Saul as he's anointed king. Right, right before he becomes king. It is amazing. I don't know if, you, if you've read this before. Samuel is the last judge of, of Israel. You guys read the Judges, book of Judges? So Samuel is, is he's the priest, he's a prophet, but he's also operating in the position of a judge. This is going to be the end of the judges. Samuel's the end of an era, and the first king is Saul. Samuel has trained his two sons to take up the mantle. They're going to be judges. But the people want a king. And so it's interesting because Samuel's two sons, they're actually operating in wickedness. They're taking bribes. Here's another, there's a good prophet, a good man. I don't know what happened with Samuel and his two boys, but the boys take bribes, the boys are wicked. And the people come to Samuel and they say, we can't, we can't have the boy, your sons are being judges. They're wicked. It's true. But they don't want God to lead them. They want a king. They too are operating outside of God. They, they are prideful. And you can read it because you see they say we want to look like other nations. We want to have a king. We want to look strong. We want to look powerful. We want to have a standing army. We want to have wealth. We want to have cities. This is what the king represents. We want to be a powerhouse in this world. And to do that, they got to do it outside of Yahweh. God is invisible. Who understands the tabernacle? Who understands the invisible God? They want a symbol. They want strength. And every other nation has a king. And so they're going to use this opportunity with Samuel's two boys to say, no, no, we want a king. And Samuel seeks God. God says, we're going to give it to him. What I love about the Lord, he's not going to punish them with an evil king. He looks for a right king. God's looking for something. He's looking. He wants to put in an opportunity for a godly king. He just knows what's going to happen. It's just like the Lord to let us operate in our own self sometimes and and, and operate in a place of goodness knowing we're going to fail. We have an opportunity to come back to him. Has anyone ever done that with you? I'll let you make this decision. You're on your own. Yeah, go ahead. Operate on your own. But I'm here. Come back. (laughs) Repent. And let's go forward in my plan. So God's going to raise up the king. What's amazing is that Saul is humble. He's going to show Samuel, God's going to show Samuel about this man, Saul. We pick up his story. He's doing his father's work. He's trying to find his father's donkeys, and he's worried about his dad. He can't find them in time, and his concern is my parents are going to worry 
And his servant says, let's find the man of God. There's a man of God nearby. Let's find him. And Saul says, we can't go without a gift. He wants to honor God. He is concerned for his parents. Is that not one of the commandments? He's operating to honor his father and mother. He's going to go visit the man of God, and he gets together all the gift he can to take to Sierra before he asks for his help. This man's got a good heart. The scripture says that he's head and shoulders taller than everybody in Israel. His physique is out of king. He looks the part, and he's humble. Samuel's going to treat him as a king, and Saul's going to say, hang on, I'm from Benjamin. If you've read about Benjamin to this point, you're going to find out that they were almost slaughtered by their own people. They were so evil at one point that the Israelites were going to take Benjamin completely out. So they killed them down to 400 or 600 men. That's all they had in their tribe, just a, just a generation or two before this. And they, they were given wives to restart. So they are depleted to almost nothing. Saul says, I'm of the least of the tribes of Israel. I mean, you're talking about Hubble. We were almost wiped out, and I'm of the smallest family. Who am I? What am I? Who am I? And so God's going to use Samuel to raise him up in, in, verse, in chapter 10, verse 9. I want you to see this. First Samuel 10, 9. So it was, when Saul had turned back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all of the signs that Samuel had given to him passed that day. And they came to the hill where there was a group of prophets to meet him. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. Saul loves the Lord. He wants to honor God. And, and God didn't transplant his heart, but because he was following the Lord, he was obeying all the commands. Samuel gave Saul a list of things to do, and he followed every one to a T. Because he loved God and wanted to obey Samuel. He wanted to obey what God said. And so because of that, his heart is changed in such a way he's going to be a prophet. He's going to prophesy. Now, is this all foretelling? He is prophesying, I believe, praising God, saying the things that God wants him to say, the revelation of who Yahweh is to them. And Saul is right there with the prophets prophesying because the Spirit of God is on him. God loves the humble. And the heart of Saul is now towards God. It is towards him. Saul has men of God around him. Look at verse 26, chapter 10. 1 Samuel 10, 26. Saul went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. There were rebels who said, how can this man save us? They despised Saul and brought him nothing, no gifts, but Saul held his peace. There's another part of staying humble that I love about Saul. He surrounds himself with the people of God. This is not something we need to do today. I was thinking about how we moved, and I'm not saying that people that didn't come with us don't love the Lord. Many do. But there is something about a desire to stay with the people of God. And there's a humility inside of us. I just want what God has, and I don't want to be separated from the people of God. And when Saul was operating properly, he surrounded himself with valiant men whose hearts had been touched by God. This is wisdom. You talk about wisdom. Surround yourself. Young people, don't get out for the people of God. The valiant men and women who love the Lord, you keep in your life. You surround yourself with a, with a variety of counsel that is godly. You don't get out from that ever. When you start getting the world's counsel, you're operating in your own pride. That's your own selfishness, and it will take you outside of the will of God. When Saul is operating under humility, and he is staying beneath the hand of God, 
He is going to honor God. He's going to follow all of God's ways. And he's going to surround himself with the right kind of people. Amen? Yes. Saul also does not want to execute or do anything about the rebels. There's naysayers. There are people going to come against us all the time. He's like, don't worry about it. I'm serving God. Don't worry about those that are in my ear. Just keep going. I'm serving God. He's not worried about it. It's not affecting him. He's confident in the Lord. And this matters because when we get towards the end of Saul's life, he's consumed with anybody that would talk against him. There's a change when you operate in yourself. You're going to worry about everything else. But when God is for you, who can be against you? There's something about staying in this humility that will allow God to oversee and live your life in Him in a way that you're not affected by these things. Finally, Saul's going to fight the Ammonites. They're oppressing the Israelites east of the Jordan River. I want to show you this hero in this part. His humility shines and his heroism shines. He's going to go to battle east of the Jordan. And if any of you have looked at the Promised Land, the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea is the Promised Land. And east of the Jordan River is not the Promised Land. However, there was a couple of tribes of Israel that chose to settle there. Instead of going in the Promised Land, there was two and a half tribes outside the Jordan River. The reason why this is important, it's a weaker area to control. Militarily, the strength of Israel is west of the Jordan. That's where all the tribes are. The heart of the country is going to be what? He's going to go east. This Ammonite king is evil. I'm not going to go into it right now, but if you read this, it is horrible the things he is doing to the people, torturing them, what he's done to them. And Saul is angry with a righteous anger. He says, we have got to go and help, but he won't do it without Samuel. He's going to go. He wants to go and handle this. He doesn't care where it's at. It's east of the Jordan. Yep, it's not going to be in our military strength. Doesn't matter. We're going with the power of God. He wants to go with Samuel. And so he goes with Samuel. They have a great victory. All the people now want to execute those naysayers. All those rebels. People say, look, this validates Saul. And Saul says, no, this victory is Samuel. Myself, it's in Yahweh alone. He goes, this is not me. This is Yahweh. This is about God. Man, when we have victories in our life, we're operating properly. It's about the Lord always. Right. Always. It's never about us. Don't be so quick to take the credit. And look, I know we work hard and we're part of this thing and God wants us a part of this thing, but you have to let God lift you up. God raises up the humble. Right. You don't raise yourself. Every victory is in the Lord. Every trial we wait on God. Our faith stays beneath and in and under the hand of God. We can't get out of it. We can't move to the side of it. We can't take it into our own control. Saul begins to operate in foolishness. As soon as your pride sets in, there is no longer wisdom. Wisdom's only in humility. We have this great king, and if you read, you're going to see that he was a king for a couple of years. Everything going right. And then he's king for a couple of years. And the first battle that's recorded, Saul loses it. He goes out to this battle. He's going to have to fight the Philistines. Now, remember David and Goliath? Philistines are strong. And he's going to begin to battle the Philistines. And he's got to go out to this battle, and he's supposed to wait for Samuel. Samuel's going to come, and Samuel is going to sacrifice before the battle. He says, I'll be there in a week. Give me seven days. The seventh day, the people are restless. Saul is restless. 
He steps into the position of the priest and he does the sacrifices. He's not done a few minutes and Samuel shows up. What have you done? And so uh, the, you, you weren't here when you said you'd be here. Uh, the people were getting crazy. The people were, were upset. I had to do this. You said you'd be here. You weren't. The people, they, they were on me. We had to do this. We've got a battle to fight. What a fool. Saul's going to tell him, you're not fit for this king. <laughs> you, you're not going to be able to stay king. But when you operate in pride, it's not your fault. Everybody else's fault. Right. When we operate in pride, it's, it's a victimhood mentality. And I'm telling you what, if you look at culture today, man, the majority of our people that are really struggling in the inner cities, in places in our society, are victims of everything. It's not their fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's because you didn't do something. It's because those around them oppressed them. It's because their history and their heritage was oppressive. You hear victimhood mentality all over the media. And if you operate there, it's in pride. It's all about yourself. Pride is stepping outside of God and going beyond Him. It's also going beyond your fellow man. It is, there is a place of pridefulness and arrogance and putting yourself above others, but this biblical pride we're looking at, it's taking a step out and going beyond where God has you. It's going past the Lord, past His boundary, past His plan. And if you look at our culture today, nobody wants to serve the Lord. In the mainstream church, the operating victim. Same thing. They don't want to humble themselves beneath the hand of God. Our mainstream churches are so full of support groups. I'm not saying that there aren't places to have those or times that people need to talk things out. But where is the victory in humbling ourselves before the Lord? God has the power to save. And when I look at the New Testament, Jesus saved people from all kinds of things. Demon spirits, torments, prostitution, drug use. And what do they do? They came into the kingdom. They humbled themselves. They followed Jesus. I just don't see a whole lot of support groups. Victimhood. I don't see a whole lot of needing a bunch of stuff. Right. Right. I need Jesus. Right. It's the same answer for everybody. If you don't have those problems, you need Jesus. Same, same need is to humble yourself because if you get outside of him, you will fail. And here is Saul. And he blames everybody else. He does not take responsibility for his own sin. And it leads to foolish decisions. In 14.24, Saul makes an oath to God in the middle of a battle. Right in the middle of a battle, he says, cursed is the man who eats today. You don't eat all day. Now, I was thinking, Rodney, about wrestling. And you guys you cut weight and you do all those things. But then I see you at the wrestling match, replenishing fluids, eating a protein bar, eating an energy bar. Could you do a tournament, go all day, have multiple matches and not take in a single thing? You'd be exhausted. I'm not sure you get off the mat after the first match. You can't have anything. This is what this general commands his people. After all this has gone on, he says, no one eats. And they have a victory, but they can't finish it. They can't finish it. The Philistines run. They can't go after them. It's a foolish decision. He cost the lives of some of his men and he lost the eventual battle because he could have finished that group off right there. That is a foolish general. And it's part one of the fall. Decision after decision is wrong and it's all that's left is chaos and foolishness, emptiness and death. It's the same chapter in chapter 14 that Samuel's going to say obedience is better than sacrifice. Saul had to step into that priest role 
to satisfy the people, to satisfy his own fear. And Samuel said, it's not about the sacrifice, it's about your obedience. That's the same true thing for us today. It's about obedience. It's about obeying the Lord, even when it hurts. Yeah, but God, I gave this. God, I did that. God, I give you this time. God, I do that. It is not about sacrifices. It's always about the heart of obedience. Saul did perform the sacrifice out of God's order. He had no position to take the role of priest. He did it because he thought the sacrifice was the important part. Welcome to the holiness church. Welcome to the apostolic movement. Let's sacrifice and do all these things for God outside of God's will. Doesn't work. It leads to foolishness. It leads to confusion. It leads to mistake after mistake. Saul will succumb to great fear, be tormented by spirits. He's going to suffer from hatred of what is good. He wants to kill David as David comes into his life. A good man, a righteous man, a man who wants to honor this king Saul. Saul wants to kill him. He's tormented. Saul murders priests of God who are innocent of the crime he accuses them of. He murders them out of hatred and fear. Pride leads to murder. Now that's the extreme. A lot of Americans operate in pride don't necessarily end up in murder. But then I'm looking at the 50 million abortions that are performed and I'm kind of wondering. Because pride leads to destruction. How many women are, are duped into this idea that, that a baby's inconvenient and a baby is going to hurt you and, and the shame is going to come from it and it's worth the cover-up of that shame. It's worth the cover-up of that fear to murder a baby. And that's where pride and selfishness come in. Moving outside of God's will and doing everything by yourself out of fear, out of torment, out of shame, out of guilt, and pride leads to these destructions. What does it do to our families? Come on, men. We operate in pride. What does it do to our children? What can it do to our family, our grandchildren, our future? And I've had to say, you know what? I love this church. I, I don't think any of our men operate here. But I did see Saul's slow fade. I think, man, God, I know you're warning me. I, I can't get off track because, because the end is always destruction. Saul was good. He was called. He was obedient. He was head of favor. He had the, the favor of Samuel. And he began to make the wrong choices. It operates outside of Christ. And we turn to ourselves and what is best for us. It's always taking the easier way out for us and not the plan God has. Saul is also obsessed. He's consumed with obsession. Man, pride takes us into places. We're obsessed sometimes over lust, greed, money. We can be obsessed over our own career paths, our entertainments, our hobbies. God gave us marriage. There is a right thing to be married and love your spouse and want to spend time with your spouse and, and to earn a living and provide for your family. But this line is really easy to cross. The line between humility and pride is really close. Staying humble or, or stepping over into pride doesn't take much. All it takes is stepping a little outside of God and doing things on your own. I don't know about you men, but that's something that it's hard to distinguish at times for me. But God, you want me to work. I got to work. God, you want me to provide. I got to provide. I need money, but do I love it? I got to keep lust in check. Jesus said it's not about adultery. Where's your heart at in lust? 
There are some checks and balances, and we've got to find a place of humility in the Lord. Because if we operate outside of that, there is an end. It's destruction. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Repent and change the way we think about pride and humility. Saul's eventually going to turn to a medium, the spiritualist of the dead. Somebody who communicates with the dead. He actually outlawed this himself in the land. Now he's going to go to one. He's going to actually go to one and try to communicate. You know what you do when, you're, when your pride is out of control? You turn to Satan. This government, this world, this culture, she obeys her father the devil. And so do the Pharisees. So do the Jews. Jesus told them, your, your father is the devil. He was a liar from the beginning. You're operating in these lies. There is such a connection between pride and walking outside of the Lord and Satan himself. It's why it ends in such destruction and chaos. Satan uses the scripture. That's how he attacks the church. He uses it against Jesus, trying to, trying to attack him with the word of God. He does that with us. We can operate in pride and believe we're following every command and precept of the Lord if we're not careful. Pride is rebellion. It's rebellion. Samuel told Saul, the rebellion is witchcraft. That's exactly where he ended up, witchcraft. It's rebellion for us to operate outside of the will of God, to deny the men and women of God we put around us. Not that we follow and obey every word and command from men, but you've got to understand something. Samuel's position was to stay in the order of God. The pastor's position is to keep that same order of God even today. What does that order look like? Is it a set of rules? No. But it is an honor of Christ first. Yes. Yes. It's always Jesus first. Yes. To operate against that, just to walk outside of that, that's a level of pride that that's going to take us in the wrong direction. I've seen people that, that I love and care about walk out of pride and literally disobey purposefully the ministry in a church that's, that's only taken up one mantle, Jesus first. And literally deny and go against and disobey everything that's said and nothing that is said is even dealing with your personal life. Samuel did not come to Saul and say, eat this food, do these things, do that. You know the word of God, Saul. Samuel didn't come to him and say how he's gonna, who he's gonna marry, what, how he's gonna raise his kids, what he's gonna do. He said, there's an order to God's things. We've got to operate in that. We have to operate in what God has said. Saul, you went outside of that. And we have to correct that. Yeah. Our leadership has to correct that at times. If we go outside of God's order, there needs to be some correction. To disobey that is pride. And it's beyond the Lord. It goes outside of Him. And finally, man, there's another side. This whole thing all sums up. And we disobey God. We disobey our pastors. We eventually don't even want to have anything to do with one another. We don't want anything to do with those valiant men of God Saul had. You never see them again. They're, they're dying on battlefields from a foolish general. Tell them not to eat and go fight. That's not what's happening to them. Destruction. Humble yourself. Whatever the culture looks like in the flesh, this is what our culture today, our church, is operating in right now. We brought ourselves down as a mainstream, not this church, but the mainstream Christian church is now trying to operate in the pride 
of the culture. We're trying to speak to, their, to themselves. I want to appease what you think, what you feel. I want to try to reach you on your level, and that level is outside of God and pursuing their own desires. So we have to get outside of Jesus, like you mentioned this morning. Can't even mention his name at times. We have to get outside of that in order to reach you in your pride, in order to get you into a building where we operate in pride. Our services, our productions, they're the great war. I love what you said this morning about the great war I never thought about it like that. We're putting men on stage who have charisma and great oratory skills. And that's what's going to draw the crowds. That's what's going to draw people. It's all pride. It's all selfish. It's all rebellion. That's it. Amen. Amen. And there's just no other way to call it. So I don't want to link up with that. I don't want to go arm in arm with that. I don't want to be a part of that. Am I going to judge every single church? No, there's great men and women out there who serve the Lord. I know that. But everything that we're seeing in production, everything we're seeing in the bookstores, 99% of it all is rebellion against the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything that exalts itself outside of the Lord and above Him, it's rebellion, and you can find it in pride. Amen. We need to be focused on the Lord in our daily life. Now, Saul's eventual end, he never deals with his pride. He eventually commits suicide. It takes the coward's way out. All three of his sons are killed in the final battle. Fear drives Saul to his death. And all his sons are dead, and he is dead, and the end is ruined. And nobody remembers the good Saul. Nobody remembers the guy who was humble, anointed, strong, obedient, confident in the Lord, that guy's gone. Right. Yeah. Because he did not ever repent of his pride. Lord, help us never get to that point. Amen. Don't let me ever be to the point that I won't listen. That I won't hear the voice of the prophets in my life. Yeah. Of the valiant men and women in my life. Lord, help me to never refuse that counsel. Good. Amen. James 4, verse 6. Let's try to wind this down or man. James 4, 6. He gives more grace or greater grace. He says, God resists the proud. Gives grace to the humble. Pastor Rodney some years ago, he uh, he worked on this word resist. <clears throat> it means to oppose. It's a military term. It's a grace that God would oppose our pride. God opposed Saul's pride. And he had opportunities to repent and he did not. His repentance was false. It was meaningless. He did not. You see David repent for real. And God forgives. If God could forgive that, Saul does sacrifices out of order. You don't think God would have forgiven that? It was the heart of Saul. It was the, I'm not really sorry. The people made me do it. The prophet was late. It's not my fault. David said, who's the man who did this sin? And when it was revealed it was him, he broke. Oh Lord, I sinned against you. If you read through these chapters in Samuel, you're going to find Saul changes the way he talks. He's saying the Lord God, and then eventually he switches to your God. He starts telling Samuel, your God. It's no longer his God. Pride takes you out. And the Lord is just a figurehead to you. He just becomes somebody abstract. Yes, I want to be forgiven and go to heaven. Yes, I want to say the prayer. But Lord, stay out of my life. You're over there somewhere. And that's what he becomes. So he's going to give more grace. He's going to give grace to those that humble beneath him. Not humility necessarily out in public somewhere. You guys ever hear 
criticisms of Christian people that they're too arrogant? You ever hear that criticism from Christians who they need to mind their own business? You know, you, you're too straight and narrow. You're a goody two shoes. You ever hear some of that stuff? I find it interesting that the world calls out a lack of humility in the faithful because we won't bow down to what's not true. Look, humility is not how you talk to everybody else. It's not that you go and you put your head down and that you walk lowly amongst the people. That's not it. That's false humility. Humility is who you are with God. It's who He is on the throne. Humility is where you place Him, where God is at. If he is first, he is primary, he is number one, you will then learn to love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus said in Mark 12, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, that's the position of humility we have got to find. That's the take up your cross daily, deny yourself, love him with everything you've got. It keeps your pride down. But humility is not this thing of my eyes are low, I can't say anything, I can't speak the truth. That's not humility. Humility is obeying the Lord. Yes. And God tells me, speak this word right here. God says, you're going to operate in faithfulness. And that faithfulness is going to come right up against the alphabet mafia, the LGBTQ. It's going to come right up against the anti-God culture we're in. We're going to have an impasse. And I'm not backing down from the word of God. We can't back down from what's true. I'm not looking to take a fight either. But I am going to live for the Lord. And in your homes, there's going to be decisions you have to make. With our families, we've done it. Everybody here I know, we have made hard choices with our families. There are times we have to say no. There are times we have to not be able to go places or do things. There are things that we've had to not compromise on. Amen? And you know that never stops. We're just not even done with that. Because Satan's never done. There's always another compromise coming. There's always another opportunity at the door for you to walk outside of your faith and step into pride and go beyond where God has you. I'm going to tell you that I know this. But there's more grace for the humble. God will resist that pride. He will oppose it. And there will be things that come in our life to remind us, to help us see, to help us get back to that position that God wants us in. That position of grace. I can get beneath Him. And God can lift me up. And God can work in my life. That humility is where all wisdom is at. That position of beneath the Lord. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. I always wondered, like, is God going to lift me up over other people? Is that, you know, I'm going to somehow be greater than the next person? He's going to bring you to where He's at. You lift up God's going to bring you to where He's at. You're just going to be with Him, and I'll tell you, there's a military advantage. Brother Dustin would, would contest to this. Jerusalem's on a hill. It was a very tough military battle because it's set on a hillside. And, and you can defend its position all around. There's something about getting lifted up to where the Lord is at that you can see really clearly the areas in your life that need work. You can see really clearly areas in our lives that we got to do a little more humility in for the Lord. Areas in our life we got to work in. There's some areas that we got to help our children and our families in. Some places I got to be more faithful in. There, there's something about getting lifted up by God. That the humility that I have in Him actually allows me to operate in faithfulness and confidence. Not out of pride. Just knowing, God, this is the direction you want me in right here. I can see that now. Lord, I see this. And that word pastor preached, that word pastor Ronnie worked with a few weeks ago, God, I can see that. That's, you know, in my life, that's a shortcoming. 
And the more we stay humble, and the more we let God lift us up, the more successful we'll be on these personal battles and in our own church. This body God wants to work in. Pride separates us from God and one another. It's one of the first things that happens, and Pastor Ronnie has told me this before. I think some years ago he told me, you know the first thing you do when you get off track is you just separate from the body. That's what we do. We separate from one another. I don't want to talk to you. I'm irritated. I don't want you to talk to me. You're probably going to say something I don't like. Right. Yeah, it's, that's me. That's this guy. This guy is operating a little too strong. And I know that. So I want to avoid you. Because you're going to call it out. I don't want you calling that out on me. I'm not, ready to, I'm not prepared for it. But this is what we do. We separate. And God is always bringing together. When you draw near to him, what does he do? He assembles this body as to be one. Just like we're to be one with him. It's not a bunch of individuals that stay separated. The design is a closeness of one mind, one heart, one accord. And when I operate in pride, I have my own mind. I have my own opinion. I have my own heart. And it's separate from you. And that's not where God wants us to be. We don't lose our individuality in the sense of we're different. There's hands, there's feet, there's knees, there's ears. There's different parts. Look, we have functions that are sort of unique to us. We are important in the body of Christ when we operate where God has placed us. Right. There is that sense of individuality. We're not clothes. We have different functions. We do different things. There are things about but We are one mind. We are one heart. We are of one. And pride separates us. It separates us every time. So here's a few power to end. i got... Two minutes, maybe three. Some patterns I've seen in myself and I've seen in others at times. Treating the Lord as what he has done for me lately. Treating the Lord as what has he done for me lately is a, is a place of pride. I talked to somebody who was strong word of faith and that was the mantra. God has to do this. God has to do that. We have to see it now. We have to see it here. What has he done for me lately? It's pride. When we're little, little in our own eyes, we are still something. This is why I don't believe the self-deprecating humility is right. It makes me to be absolute garbage, nothing, trash. But I'm something in Christ. I've got a little something in him. Paul said this, I have not one good thing in me, except what? Say Christ. There is something about us in the Lord that's good. And if we stay in that place of humility, I have it to offer. There is something in me that is different. I want to give it to you. I want to give it to my family. I want to give it to others. But it's not me. That's pride. It's Christ in me. There is a little something to give. Man, it's not God would have done for me lately. It's not the, the, the sense of I've got all this good physical blessings from you. But even in the midst of the storm and the trial and the difficulty... There's something in me that's still good. It's Christ. When we are little, Jesus can be big. If you are big, he will not be little. Right. He's not there. He doesn't compete. John said, I must decrease so that he would Amen. increase. Amen. But this humility, it's not about you just thinking less of yourself. Because if you do that, it's not about God. It's about you giving place to him. It's decreasing so that he may increase. Do you see the difference? 
It's not self-deprecating. It's not just so I'm nothing. It's actually, Lord, I want you big. I want you to fill my life. I want you to direct my path. I want to follow you 100%. To do that, I need less of me so you'll fill it with you. Yes. My personal purpose, my personal dreams in the flesh are empty and short-lived, period. We're like a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow. Why do I spend so much time on my own plans? His revelation in myself, that is the ultimate good life. I mean, I am middle-aged at best. I'm not sure I'm going to make it till 88. I'll be 44. I don't know. I don't know if I have Leonard's good genes. I'm not really related. I just want a little piece of that. I don't know how long I'm going to make it. But I know that I'm halfway through. Two of my daughters are married, and one more is not allowed to, but two are, are married. There are some things in life that go by quick. They're here today, gone tomorrow. I'm looking at my past and I'm saying, man, only what's done for Christ will last. The sooner you get that, the sooner we all understand that position, the easier it will be to deal with pride and to stay humble before the Lord because his revelation is the ultimate life. If he is lifted up in me and by me, he'll lift me up to where he's at. It's all about him. Finally, let's go to Colossians 2. Pastor, you mentioned this this morning. I said, yes, at least I got one first level match. Colossians 2, verse 2 and 3. Let's look at the second half of verse 2. Colossians 2, verse 2 and 3. To the knowledge of the mystery of God Christ, in whom are hidden all treasure of wisdom and knowledge. Humility is going to equal wisdom when it's in Christ. You let Jesus be Lord of your life in all ways. You will operate in wisdom. You will grow in knowledge. There's no other outcome. Because when He is reigning, when He is supreme, you cannot fail. There is no failure. In the worst trials, there's no failure. No weapon formed against you can prosper. Nothing can. In Him, you're going to go exactly through what He needs you to go through, or what you're going to do in Him is always going to bring faith. Testimony of who he is, no matter what situation it is. It does not matter when he is centered and we're humble to him. He will shine through, period. Let wisdom find me humble in heart. I want to be found wise in the Lord, not wise to men. I'm really tired of chasing that one. I've had to do that as a BG rep. We're, we're done. I'm just going to finish here. Wanting to be wise to the coworkers I have wanted to be wise to my customers. I'm done with that. I want to be found wise in Christ. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do the best job I can. But I'm done with trying to be rewarded by the world, accoladed by the world, because it doesn't matter at all. It only feeds pride. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.